Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Rowing Chat. I am Rebecca Caro, and today I'm joined by Douglas Lumsden for this week's edition of Rowing Chat. But first, a quick message to you, our loyal listeners. We want to know about you, and so we're doing a listener survey. Could you help us out? It's very short. And if you go to the website bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash rowing chat survey. And the more we know about you, the better we can serve you. Support for today's show comes from Health IQ, a life insurance agency who has the common sense to realize that athletes are healthier than the average population. They're very clever fellows. So you don't have to explain why your body is a high quality, amazingly fit asset. These guys know that you're less likely, in fact, 56% less likely to have heart disease if you're physically active. And rowers aren't just active, we are super active compared to gym bunnies. Get special rates for life insurance and show your support for Rowing Chat by visiting www.healthiq.com forward slash rowing and ask for a free quote. We know you all enjoy Rowing Chat and so by following through on our sponsors, we earn money to pay for our costs. Please do it now. Open a browser so you don't forget to get a quote at healthiq.com forward slash rowing. Now, back to the show. Douglas, welcome to Rowing Chat. Thank you very much, Rebecca. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, please introduce yourself and tell everyone about your background in rowing. Uh, my background started in rowing, started in around about 2001 when I moved from Perth to Canberra. Um, and I strangely thought that a great way to not be scared of the cold in Canberra during winter was to learn how to row. So I was out learning how to row and getting used to the new sport and everything in sort of minus four or five degrees because that's what we do here. Um, and it was just when I really loved the sport, got into the idea of the whole sort of and understanding the time and the effort that it takes to learn the sport well and do it well and perform at, a, at the level that you are about, able to do. Uh, I was probably then started to do competitions around 2002 to 2003 as a rowing masters. But at the same time, I became very intrigued about the incredible volunteer nature of the sport that most uh, masters clubs had and just the sheer uh, challenge that a lot of clubs had that when they weren't understanding that they're actually running quite a major business. Uh, if you look at the assets that a rowing shed would have, I've dealt with everyone that started off as having the boats on racks by the river right up to large clubs where they've, you know, in Harvard in the US where you're looking at, you know, multi-million million dollar organizations that have been around for two 200 years or so and just the intrigue of trying to manage the p 
people involved and making sure that people can get on and off the water was always really intriguing to me. Plus also around 2004, I sort of started to do some coaching with some school girls, which also helped me um, gain a bit more understanding of, of the intrinsic nature of rowing and, and how it can help people develop at different stages of their lives. So it's something that I've just loved for a very long time and it's been probably something I've really liked for my own mental health and physical well-being, I guess, is the best way to look at it. So, yeah. It sounds like a great introduction and well done for trying to beat the cold in Canberra. Now, you run a rowing business, Space Saver Rowing Systems. What does Space Saver do? Space Saver Rowing Systems attempts to make uh, interacting with your club's equipment easy, safe and efficient. We try to find the best way to store all of your rowing equipment in a very confined space that a lot of rowing sheds operate in, in a manner that means that you can scale up from a private boat owner who just wants to store their own boat right up to fitting out and designing the fit out of a new rowing shed. I've uh, been doing this now for coming up to 15 years um starting off with the first product i invented which was the um space saver all bracket now i happen to know that you've got one right there and the space saver all bracket really is your masthead product everybody loves it and yeah. it's now been installed around the world can you show us what a bracket looks like and explain why the design is so innovative sure i'll just um step over here and we'll have a look as you can see the ore bracket itself is only 220 millimeters wide and in that space you'll be able to store uh, two eighths worth of spring forward this is actually a sleep ore bracket and as you can see this length here is where you can then get uh, 16 ores into one ore bracket the way that the ore bracket is quite unique is the fact that it's designed that each ore overlaps each other and the oars are not taking up any more space than any one blade at any time you can get any oar in or out of the design um excuse me by reaching in let's say this is a, a illustration down this way just reaching in and then pulling the oar in or out at any time so um i guess I designed the ore because my actual other career was as a sheet metal worker and as a metal tradesman fabricator. And I realized that that's not a very common skill in a lot of rowing clubs. So um, I went off and thought I'd help out Black Mountain Rowing Club where I started in is where I've invented the ore bracket. Um, and that's how I got started. Um, I guess when I made the, the first Sort of prototype which this is pretty much um replicating i just put it up on the wall and then just saw the amazing emotions of the new guys that had found it and thought that was pretty amazing so for me it was a confidence boost of actually coming up with a new idea and then seeing how we can then take that around the world and that's probably been 
a very interesting journey for me where I've managed to install units in the Taiwei Scholars Club. I've done lots and lots of um, clubs in Australia. All through the US now, I've got an amazing manufacturing base where I can get stuff made. And I've worked with uh, large corporations there like Row America and things like that. So, yeah. Is there any other questions you might have about the all bracket, Rebecca? I think one of the most clever things about it is each of those little C cup gaps is slightly offset. Can you explain what the impact of that is? Yes, thank you for that, Rebecca. Um, what that means is that shaft, each shaft of, of your ore is actually slightly in front of the shaft behind it, which then meets, per se, if I can maybe demonstrate with my hands, it means that as you put this blade in, this blade here sits behind it. And that means also that also with the particular shape, um, the oars can't fall out. So, you know, the old thing where you'd have two prongs of, of sticking out the wall and you just go throw the oar in, throw the oar in, throw the oar in. This is a much more refined way of controlling all of your oars and making sure that the safe and also the space they're taking up is no wider than your, than your blades. So that's pretty much trying to explain it in a way that probably wasn't great, but we'll have a go at that. So basically, each oar, whether it's hung on the left-hand side or the right-hand side, the spoons hang into a central area so that it's really narrow. Is that right? Yes. That space is basically for a sleep oar around about um, 250 mil, I think, is about the width, actual width of your spoon, bill, spoon, spoon blade. And uh, around about 220, I think, for your um, skull blades. So it's quite unique. Like, um, I think when I fitted out Leichhardt Rowing Club, they built a new shed. And as per normal, um, people got into the design of the building because the architect wasn't actually a rower. Then they started to throw all the boats in, the tinnies, and then all of a sudden went, where are we going to store our oars? They then had to have five different sections around the rowing club where they could have had boats or other equipment. Um, and then by the utilising the space saver oil brackets, they could then eliminate all of those storage bays and then have one length of wall, which was around about two metres long to 2.5 metres long. And that was storing up to nearly uh, 300 oars in that space. So that was a massive advantage for Leichhardt. And um, even to this day, I'm still getting repeat orders from them because they're still uh, gaining more space by utilising space saver or brackets. That's brilliant. And so you basically have less space to store your ores, plus they're safer. And can you also hang them between the boat racks? Yeah, that's the beauty of, of design. It, it's just... Uh, a simple little thing where it's an L bracket that will fit wherever it will fit. So if you've got uh, the bays of your oars, I've done that before when I've been fitting out um, camera boys grammar and camera girls grammar where they only had space at the very front of the shed between the bows of the oars, uh, the bows of the boats. 
and by just simply putting a little frame across uh, something around uh, 600 mil, uh, I was able to get in about um, two or brackets into each of the front of the bays, which equated to 1632-ish sort of um, a 32-ish sort of bores at the front of the boat shed where they weren't able to store anything previously. Yeah. Now, we've got a question from a listener. Suzanne Hutchings says, do you make them for skulls as well as oars? Absolutely, yes. So um, the website has uh, uh, sculling and sweep all in Australian parlance or, or, or rowing oars in American parlance, yeah, definitely. And the main difference is the size of the little sea cup? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one, the skull or is probably about 50 mil shorter, just because of the diameter of your sculling oars are slightly less. But on the literature, I just allow a meter uh, from the wall for both sweep and sculling oars. So to make it a little bit less confusing for when you're installing the oar bracket. So they're one meter out from the mounting point on the wall. Yeah. That's what I, I say. There is slight differences uh, between, as I said, between the skull and the sweep, just due to the size. But that's all you need: one thousand millimeters or one meter from your wall, and you have sixteen oars where you didn't have them hanging before. Fantastic! Thank you. Now, you've mentioned rowing clubs around the world where you've installed them. Um, do people have to buy them off your website? Um, it, no, you actually, I do have affiliates around the world. Um, and that's actually how I was uh, able to meet you, Rebecca, when we first spoke to each other all those years ago with Row Perfect. Um, I also have other linkages depending where you are in Europe. And I then also have my own manufacturing um, uh, linkages in the US where it is shipped. Uh, made and shipped directly within the USA. And I also have, uh, as I said, a, a sort of linkage with Row America where they've also come up with a freestanding product for, for the all brackets where it's an, an uh, telescopic um, freestanding frame that you can purchase and put on the floor in your rowing club as well. So, yeah. I'm fascinated. Telescopic oars or telescopic Telescopic frame. So um, they have come up with a frame that goes on to uh, a set of of uh, posts, which for shipping can be reduced in length. And then once it arrives on site, you can just extend it and and be installed in your own shed. So that's instead of fixing it to the wall of your shed. Yeah. yeah. Tell me a bit more about Row America. What sort of an organisation are they? Row America, I think, is possibly a model that the rest of the world should be jealous about. Um, it was started by the Winklevoss brothers' father, Harold Winklevoss, um, and his mission is to make basically America one of the elite uh, rowing or rowing countries of the world. He's done that by putting together basically the A to Z of, build, of establishing a rowing club. 
for instance, if I was a Canberra rowing club and, I, and I'm walking down the street and I want to have a rowing club in Canberra, uh, I've got some friends that have just started rowing, uh, I would call Row America uh, and go, I'm in Canberra in the United States of America and I want to start a rowing shed. And he would go, great, I'll send over my contacts for you and we will start planning that and how that will happen uh, and get ready to deal with the local authorities. From there, then they'll have the standard uh, rowing shed that they're going to build with you into the local community and how to link with the local community, get that rowing shed built and at the same time have all of your coaching um, authority or coaching programs set up with you and then by the time the rowing shed's built you have a fully functioning fledgling rowing club ready to harness your community's interest in rowing which has already been promoted via Row America and it is quite amazing. That's really visionary and they're your local agent and people can buy either from you direct or through Row America's program yeah. if they're setting up a club. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Now, you've also got a short or bracket. What's the difference between the short one and the long one? Um, basically, uh, a quad or an eight, I think, is the best way to think of it. Uh, the short or bracket is just half the length of the standard or bracket, which is eight, um, eight inserts long. I've just made one that's four. Again, this was coming out of, I think, even some of the Tideways Colours and the UK clubs where I've heard the quite um, confined, older-type buildings and also you want to get into spaces between boats and things like that. So it's just a shorter length or bracket to try and utilise some more of your, um, of your space where you can. So, yeah. I'm not smart enough to get any more past um, I try to keep things simple build things to the highest quality that I can and make it easy for you to take your um, storage products that you bought from me from the through the four or five iterations that you might have as I said um, there's some Brisbane uh, clubs that I worked with way back when, when they just had boats sitting on such a century rowing club. They just had their boats sitting on a rack by the river. They've now got one of the nicest sheds in the Brisbane region and they facilitate a program that's just all about who wants to row, not what school that you're in, etc. And I've helped them design the storage system so that it can take the full use of the club that they've now got in place now, which is quite amazing. So, And that was, again, they could utilise the all brackets out in the field. They then installed the ones they used in the field in the new shed, then bought more product as the, the shed and the program increased. So one of the challenges that I know is that your requirements change over the years. I'm getting a bit of feedback, Douglas. Is there something else that you've I, got turned on? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, over the years, sometimes a club will be very focused, say, on eights, 
and then might move to having a focus on small boats. You also say that you build um, racking for boats, which with sliding arms. That's right. So that was sort of uh, started with the oar breaker, and people came to me and said, "Oh, can you do a better system for um, for storing our boats?" And I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll have a go." There was an iteration that I came up with, which was a fixed welded frame. Um, that's I was, shall we call it, version one. Um, I've moved away from that due to transportation costs, but also I, in as you say, Rebecca, I went in to do some installs with that frame, and then just the sheer minor variations between boats made me realise, well, you can't really have a fixed system. Uh, I was up in in the Sunshine Coast um, at Varsity Lakes installing that product and and basically realised that in that fleet they had everything from uh, big school girls right up to very heavyweight mature rowers who had to actually put on longer pins onto the um, boats because of the weight differences that were going into the heavyweight boat. That meant the fixed system I had uh, through my own experience wasn't going to fit their needs uh, and I had to come up with a way to make that work. I've then moved into the system that I use now, which is a fully adjustable, fully um, semi-adjustable system where I use basically nuts and bolts. It bolts together and you can then adjust that at any time. The other advantage of that is the system I have um, compared to a lot of other sliding rack systems is I utilise a standard sort of industrial product that has extreme is of extreme high quality but ensures that there's no water flowing in or debris flow in where the bearing system is for them to rust out um, and in 20 years time or 10 years time because we do live in a salt um, water environment you can pull all of that apart and send it all off to be galvanized again so that you can save thousands of dollars if you have to because you've got a system that can just be reused, modified, changed, and re, re, um, recoded with galvanizing to protect it for another 20 years. That's great forward planning because the vast majority of bloat clubs have a building that doesn't change, but their needs do change over the years. Yes, yeah. And I've even had other clubs where they knew that they were subletting, I think, Possibly Melbourne's Ladies College along Boathouse Row was subletting off some other um, clubs along Boathouse Row. So they installed the storage uh, racking I had into that subletted space while they were fundraising to build the beautiful new uh, rowing shed. Uh, and once the new rowing shed was established, they could take the storage stuff uh, that they'd purchased off me in the subletted space just inserted into the new shed which has happened on several occasions for other um rowing clubs as well so which is a core tenant of the way i design everything it's got to be movable in the future as well as usable at any time as well let's roll back to the design process it all got going because you saw a need because you anticipated a problem so what was challenging about designing storage systems? 
Um, I think just the challenge is, if anyone wants to try it, is that you've got to come up with a new idea. Uh, you've then got to sell that idea to the rowing club community that you're in. Um, how do I put this? Um, everyone has a great idea in a rowing club. Uh, but as we all know, out of the 100 people or 200 people in that rowing club, there's normally about 10 people that actually do everything. Um, so I decided, okay, let's design some items, go and ask people if they work and go forward from there. Um, and then try and make those 10 people's lives that do all the work in a rowing club easier. Uh, in some cases, the all bracket just came to me one morning when I'm out rowing, uh, when I used my previous knowledge and skill. There was another product which I have, which is utilized to store both sweep and sculling uh, riggers, uh, where we can try and get some better storage space and utilization and protection for the, the coating on the aluminium to stop them corroding. Uh, and that took actually probably around about three or four iterations to do. So that was off down, get it drawn out, have a laser cut, get it bent up, take it to the rowing shed, sit it somewhere, see if it's going to work, um, and then go forward to the iteration that was finally successful, which I now sell on the website to get all of your all your wing rigger brackets out of the way and put them in a storage in a way where pins overlap and they just aren't lying on the floor in a big heap and cutting people up and getting they're doing damage to boats um so it's really sometimes easy um and sometimes hard but the challenge is every time is it's a new idea and who wants to try the new idea in the community of rowing and as we know each rowing shed has its own uh culture of interest or culture of change and how appealing uh, how they appeal to new ideas well that's always a good challenge as well so i'm fascinated by the process and i like the fact that you get the users to actually try things out and that's what helps to work out whether the design is effective. Yeah, exactly. But it's also understanding that each product won't fit for everyone. So when I came up with the electronic storage box idea, I knew that was about for schools. Like they go and buy thousands and thousands of dollars of electronic storage equipment. At the time I worked with the Australian Nelson Kellerman representative and the other product provider to see how to design a cabinet that could be used to store all of the equipment. Uh, and then I had the little idea, well, why don't we put an electronic keypad on there so that the cops that overslept that morning doesn't have to remember to bring, bring in a padlock key. And then everything could be ready to pick up and take the, the electronics, put it in your boat and just go rowing. And that's the idea so that your crew's picked up the oars out of the oar bracket quickly. They've taken the electronics out of the electronic storage box quickly, and they're on the water and rowing faster for you as a as a, um, a rowing master or teacher that's running your rowing program. Um, but again, that's a, a unique product that's quite. It does represent some expense. 
um, because again, most of this is a niche product that I'm trying to solve a niche problem for in the rowing community. So yeah, it's been a, a fun journey of finding and helping people where I can, because that's really what it's about. So the thing about your uh, electronic storage area is you take your amplifiers, you take your stroke coaches or your meters, and each one of them is in a metal tray with a hole cut the right size so that you can see which cox box or um, cox orb or cox mate goes where and you can see if there's one missing and then they also charge up while they're locked inside the cupboard that's right there's holes on the side of the 500 millimeter by 500 millimeter cube uh that you can get your 10 or 20 uh, cox box units or xl units in and then you just have a simple um cable going in to connect to all of those and they're just charged in one go yes that's pretty neat now what's the latest thing that you've designed douglas um the last product i had a go at was a single mobile storage frame uh utilizing the principles of fully adaptable and it's changeable um the prototype's being used at now at black mountain rowing club with the idea that it has uh, wheels on it that allow you to change those wheels in 180 degrees, but be locked in, in a particular direction. So if you're inside a, a rowing aisle and you need to move those singles, you can just move them this way. Uh, people were asking me to design a, a basically a singles cassette type of storage system, uh, which I found had some merit but due to the complexity of the bearings and design and then how to have it freestanding that i personally wasn't able to to take that design on so this was my compromise where we can just have our rows of single trolleys that can be moved any which way that you want um, and then you can also lock the wheels so that they are only going to go in in the one direction and also making sure that those wheels will be still here in uh, 10 years because they're of the absolute highest quality and not what you could just afford as someone of, of that group of 10 people that was making a frame up and putting wheels on a trolley. So uh, the other idea being that the um, trolley itself can have arms on both sides of the, the vertical post and those arms are also able to be adjusted to whatever requirement you have and bolted in place. And again, when your program changes and you go from lightweight girls, rowers to heavyweight men's, uh, eight spans that need the heavyweight men's single boats, you can then, of course, just move everything in or out and change it to put those singles onto that. So yeah. a boat takes more storage because it's for a heavier athlete. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now you've also branched out outside rowing into dragon boating. What do you sell to dragon boaters? Um, dragon boating. I've also my first instance was in the United States. There are some clubs that are marina clubs, so they have rowing, they have dragon boaters, um, and I was able to while I was in the US putting in some product to go to the Florida rowing. Club, one of the clubs in Miami, which had also rowing and um, dragon boating in there. 
and building off the mechanical storage system I have for rowing, uh, I realized that they could only store the dragon boats down one entire length or side of that rowing shed, which meant that they then limited the amount of members they could have because the dragon boaters for three boats had taken away where they could have another 10 or 20 rowing boats. Uh, simply by stacking the dragon boats on top of each other, then you're taking the space of one dragon hull, can then have three boats on top of it, and each of those boats can be used to buy or taken out at the right time. And that was the last project that I was lucky enough to do with the Red, Red Cliff Dragons in Queensland just before Christmas. And the Christmas present was a brand new dragon boat stacker. And if I just bring up those photos for you, Rebecca. Love a bit of photography. So what does this is electricity powering the raising and lowering of boats so that you can use very high bay sheds, presumably for rowing boats as well, because you can load your boats one at a time and then raise them up out of the way. Yes, that's right. Um, and you can do it safely. No one's um, lifting high or low or having to get onto extreme steps to, to get the equipment that they need. Show us your photos, Doug. I'm trying to learn the technology right now and having a little nervous oh, moment. Okay. So for rowing, the application is not so much rowing boats but coaching boats where they have heavy engines. Yeah, on them. That's, that's certainly one application that we've, we've used um, before and there is a design for that. Right, how are you getting on with the technology? don't know. Click on the screen and then screen sharing's on the left-hand side. It did work before. We know that, Rebecca. <laughs> ah, here we go. Yes, share. Okay, I did hit the share. Retry. Yes, it's telling me there is an error, Rebecca. So, I might have pressed the button too many times. Now, while Douglas is working on the technology, one of the nice things for a rowing club, if you have room to take in a dragon boat club, you can massively expand the number of memberships that you can sell because how many people do you get in a dragon boat? 20 people? Yes, 20 people. Most dragon boat clubs would have a minimum of probably 150 people. Whoa. So um, that's a lot more yeah. revenue. Yeah, a lot of extra revenue. So, for example, in Varsity Lakes, um, in the uh, for their program, that's exactly what was happening. The the um, land lease who built that development, they wanted to make sure that the community club they they put in there was fully utilising the lake design that they put in around the suburb. Uh, so therefore they built a community centre 
uh, they put in a, a canoe club or a, a rowing club and a dragon boat club. And instead of the dragon boat club taking up as much space as the rowing club, they were able to use one third of that space and have the room for about six dragon boaters. So six 20 man dragon boats. So that's also another model where a rowing club might have a spare space uh, next to the shed. They're looking for extra revenue. And that's also happening now down in Tasmania. There's a club that's got extra space. They're looking for new revenue sources and will have a subletted out space and shed for a dragon boat club. Uh, again, you've got to have management and clarity around your constitutions because naturally if you've got a lot of dragon boaters coming into your club, you've got to ensure that the groups of people are harmonious and no one's going to overtake the other one's sort of uh, corporate structure or take over each other's products or or land usage, et cetera, and kick the other team out. So the, the, it's got some huge benefits, but you've just got to be aware of the management issues surrounding the two two groups of people coming together. Yeah, certainly yeah. New Zealand, Auckland Rowing Club has Wakarama, which are outrigger canoes sharing their space. Now, last thing I want to ask you about is pontoons you told me you can also install boating docks yeah so that's the latest project i'm doing here in the act in australia so i have the the sales rights in australia to sell a wonderful product called connector dock um what i love about that is that it's plastic uh molded product that's similar to the product that we'd use in um uh, rowing, uh, um, and basically it's just a bolt together Lego block system that you can then put anywhere, anyhow. It came out of the United States of America where in winter they need to remove the rowing docks uh, and put them on land while the lakes froze over. So uh, when there was a problem with the dam here in Canberra, they needed to come up with some new pontoon wharfing for the rowing clubs because the height of the lake had to be reduced by a meter, half a metre. Uh, and I was able to manage to sell the connector dock system through into Canberra for that. That was around about five years ago to six years ago. And now I'm just inserting the, the last, uh, another connector dot pontoon onto the lake for that um, system. Fantastic. Sorry, Rebecca, we just had a bit of feedback then. Show us your photos. There we go. Um, that's the plastic system there where the boys are standing on. Um, you anchor it in place with whatever method will work for you. In this case, there's just uh, concrete blocks underneath where the boys are standing. And we just then have some chains connecting to those concrete blocks. And then over here, we have our gangway arrangement to walk on and off your pontoon. Do you want to go back to the dragon boats? Thank you. Yes. So this is the dragon boat at the stored position where you can then just walk in here and, and slide it on and off or walk over. Uh, if we can see if we can go to the raised position. 
this is the it moving up into the air out of the way. And then I'll see if I can find the, and that is in the fully raised and stored position where you then have your space for your third and second dragon boat through here as well. Naturally, the, the arms let you put on a 18 or a 16 man dragon boat on there. And yeah, it, it's one of those, again, one of those systems where it was a lot of des design engineering work to find the right people that can design this for me to make it simple and usable. And keep it simple is not always uh, an easy thing to do when you're working through the design processes. So, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Now, what's on the horizon? What next? Um, what I'm looking forward to doing is, uh, as I know, for a lot of rowing programs, it's a long-term venture. I went to the United States probably around about uh, five years ago to promote the all brackets for the second time and promote the product in the – and at that time, I was able to meet some of the people from – the Harvard University Boat Club, who are now about ready to completely renovate the um, rowing store, the the rowing sheds, which are around about 110 years old now, and they're going to um, they've then specified a space saver all brackets as one of the premier products for that for that redesign. So as we can see here, if anyone's had the pleasure of doing um, head of the Charles. This is the two sheds that Harvard rows out of. They are going to be uh, have all of the decking and that surrounding the building um, demolished. The building itself is a heritage listed building, uh, buildings, and they're then going to insert and build a new training centre between on the weld uh, boat house that will have a new um, rowing tank in it and also a training centre for their athletes. So. To say the least, I'm a bit excited about this is a complete understatement. Um, I have worked with and come up with designs for um, Oxford University and a lot of the other high-performing uh, rowing centres in the UK and also here in Australia. So um, I'm quite excited. I'm lucky enough in the US that there's Anderson Architects, who's an amazing gentleman that actually rowed as a youth before he undertook his training in architecture, designs the rowing club of your needs. And I think he probably would work with Row America to come up with a rowing club that works for you. And he actually specifies the space saver or brackets within his um, his literature. So again, I'm very lucky to um, work with those with him as well. So, yeah. Very exciting. Yes. And naturally, of course, I'm looking forward to making more contacts this year and selling more product as I can throughout the year and helping people when they might have questions or design ideas. So, yeah. Douglas, it seems to me that uh, it's a unique skill and it's very specialist. And understanding how to safely store your rowing equipment and then creating the means to make it last a really long time I think you sound like the leading man in the world. Yes. I, I think I, I actually forget sometimes how much I've learned. I've been doing this now for I mean, 14, 15 years. I've had the opportunity to meet some really amazing people throughout the world in 
and especially in the United States. Um, I'm looking forward to working with um, the new Ray Perfects proprietor uh, in the Europe to provide this into Germany and Holland where I can um, and see what other new adventures I can come up with. And always happy to have a chat and chat rowing for sure. So, Douglas, please tell the listeners where they can connect with you. Um, where they can connect with me is on my website, um, which is www.ssrs.net.au. SSRS.net.au. Yep, as we can see here. And you said you had a special offer. Um, yes. So if you were to connect me via my contact page here today, uh, mention the um, the rowing interview that we've just been working through. Uh, I, I offer a five percent discount on any all brackets that you order um, for the for the end of January. Fantastic. So five percent discount through to the end of January. For any order placed anywhere in the world, done via Douglas Lumsden's website, ssrs.net.au. That's right. And if I can just ask everyone to use the contact form here, that will make um, follow-up and management of your inquiries a lot easier. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Douglas, thank you for your time. It's been a delight hanging out with you. And remember that Rowing Chat is now part of a network of podcasts. We are growing. We've got a new website, which is rowing.chat. Please go and check it out. And you can get an email notification of any new episodes which we publish by joining our mailing list, which is on our website. You can, of course, subscribe and listen to any audio podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Stitcher or iTunes or SoundCloud. Till next time, I've been Rebecca Caro, and this is Rowing Chat. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you, Rebecca.